0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Walking in Greatness. I am your host, Cheryl Kell, and I am so excited you are joining with us today. Today, I have a guest with me, um, Andrea Merriman, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself so we could get acquainted with her before we start her interview. Welcome to the show, Andrea.
1: Well, thank you, Cheryl. I'm so excited to be in here, and I thank you for inviting me um, and to have a conversation, I love what you're doing with walking in greatness. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrea Merriman. As she was saying, I am a woman servant. I work with women servant leaders. They hire me to train them in building a six-figure business while providing a safe space for them to learn. Because they have a passion to eradicate domestic violence and have a productive life. I give them the tools they need to tell their story, to serve victims, and to bring peace into our communities. Bottom line is, I help them build a six-figure business to support making a powerful difference and leave a legacy in the world to come. One of the things that I realized after COVID is how widespread domestic violence is. So we are now working on a global basis to eradicate it and to promote healthy relationships. And so Cheryl, I'm so excited to be here to talk to you about that today.
0: Awesome. So you know, that is one of my passions, domestic violence, and that is how we met. So can you tell us a little bit about your help program that you created and run? And that is a program that I went through and got certified in. So I want my audience to understand (laughs) what the program is and what you offer.
1: So, yes. So, in September of 2014, as you know, my daughter Jennifer was murdered by her brother-in-law. So, Jennifer was only 17 at the time. And what happened with all of that, because I didn't realize, but this opened my eyes to the violence that has been destroying our families. And since then, I created the Jennifer Y. Merriman Health Program. And the program offers hope, empowerment, life skills, and prevention methods against domestic violence to women from their youth up. And what happened was right in 2020, and it's so interesting, the first team went through, through the middle of COVID. So what happened in 2020 is, I started giving this program a little more exposure by allowing coaches and servant leaders to come in use the program get certified be able to launch it in their area and that's how we met like you said and i'm so excited that you are a certified coach and that you're licensed to use the program in your area and i'm looking at all the other ladies we've had been able to network through that. And so it's really an interesting program and I love it.
0: Yes, I love it too. It's a really a complete program. And so when I saw it, I fell in love with it because I feel like that program can help many women who are on the path of getting their lives back together once they're out of that domestic violence situation. So thank you so much for hearing the voice of God and and bringing that program. To be available for others to use. All right. And so, Ms. Andrea, can you share some insights into the prevalence of domestic violence and its impact on individuals and families?
1: And, you know, and like I said, it opened my eyes in 2014. And I realized that it's so widespread that it's become normal. Toxic relationships have been. Put into a place to where people think that that's the way it's supposed to be and the abuse has no boundaries it it has no gender no age no race no economic status It's happening to everyone and you think about it you know one and they said one out of four women over the age of 15 will be abused in their lifetime and it's interesting because it's starting now in our youth. And our youth think that it's okay to be abusive to call each other names. And it's a power struggle that's going on in relationships. And what's happening is our youth are seeing it in their families. They're taking this out because according to the um C D C sixty percent of the children that will witness it in their homes will either be an abuser or be abused unless something is done. And this program is it. We're starting to really understand that pushing toxic relationships is no longer good. It never was, but we thought it was. You could hear the way people talked to each other, and everybody was being insulted, but just learning what healthy relationships is, is going to be the answer.
0: So true. And like you said, when people grow up in that that situation, they just think that's a normal way to be. And that's how I got uh, um, introduced to domestic violence. I was married to a man who saw it all the time in his family um, with his mom and he just thought that was normal so that's what we want to do as advocates we want to change that um, make sure people understand that this is not a normal way to behave right all right so now how would you define domestic violence and what are some common misconceptions people have about it because a lot of people don't understand what it is
1: and that, and and i'm glad you asked that cheryl because Everybody says, well, everybody knows, really, they don't. So, domestic violence, for one, we need to understand is, I said before, it's a power and control issue. It's not a drug issue. It's not an alcohol issue. It's not an anger issue. Although those things will instigate it, it doesn't cause it. It's the power and control in a relationship because in a healthy relationship, each person is able to give and take their control according to their boundaries. But when it's a toxic relationship and it's out of balance, one person holds all the control in the relationship and doesn't want to allow the other person to be able to make decisions, to be able to go, come, and really just be who they are. In a healthy relationship, each person it's almost like a seesaw. And so when you look at it and you think about the people that we know that are in it, it comes so slow that people don't always realize it. We've had when um, we're with working with victims in crisis times, people will call and say, I know this sounds funny, but is this domestic violence? Because he never hit me. And they don't understand it's the verbal abuse, it's the mind manipulation, it's the emotional control that people have over each other. And sometimes it's just words, just words that are said to people that control them. And they're the simple things, I'll give you an example. So, um, and some of you may even have dealt with this or heard about it, but some wanna say, um, oh, I don't want to go with you to the family dinner because none of your family likes me. And you'll say, oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. And you'll go through that a couple of times. And then it'll say, well, they don't treat me right. So then all of a sudden, you start to go head on. But then they come back and say, oh, well, you went without me. I didn't have anything to do. So the next time it comes up, well, I don't want to go because your family don't like me. I don't want you to feel bad. So I say, oh, no, go. You can go. No, no, I'm not going to go. So then they make you seem like it was your decision not to go. Well, all alone, they didn't want you around your family. And the more you do that, the more you're isolated from your family, the more that person has control and manipulates what you're doing past that. So oftentimes, Cheryl, those simple things, just like that, people don't recognize. So true, and it it seems
0: so subtle, and they do it so slickly that people don't really don't recognize it. Now, can you explain the cycle of violence and, and abuse, and why is it crucial to recognize it early?
1: Well, the way it usually goes, and we can think about it, is the courtship, and then the tension starts building up, and then incidents like we just talked about. But then after that. If it gets to physical or even if it just hurts your feelings, there comes the passion part, the reconciliation to, baby, you know I love you. You know, if you hadn't treated me that way, I wouldn't have done this. So it's putting the blame back on that person. But so then there's the makeup, the makeup sex, the makeup conversations. And then that may even go on for a while. And then you go into the honeymoon phase where the gifts, the declaration of love, the friendship, and so you kind of get back that honeymoon slides back into that courtship, back into that tension building, to another incident happens. And you know, I didn't want to do that, I haven't done that in a while. Even oftentimes people will even leave somewhere right after that incident, but then the conversation of you know I love you, um, I'm going to get myself together. They'll say if they've been doing drugs or alcohol, oh, I'm going to get help. I'm never going to drink again. You know, I love you. And I keep saying that because they throw it out over and over and over. And what happens is givers, if they don't set boundaries, the takers will keep coming until that giver has nothing else to give. That's the real cycle. We can go the courtship, the incident, the passion, the reconciliation, moon, you know, honeymoon phase. But the real cycle is the giver keeps giving, and the taker keeps taking until the giver has nothing else to give, and sometimes that means even their life. So true. Um.
0: So in your program, or in the the, um, at, um, people that you see, what are some ways you empower survivors to regain control of their lives?
1: Well, the first step is to realize that they're in a toxic relationship. And as we talked before, so many people don't realize that because of the subtleness of it. And once they make a decision to leave, that healing process can begin. And we often tell people once they leave those first few days, do nothing, just sleep just rest because your cortisol levels have been so high that fight or flight mode has just been so intense for so long. Your body needs time to just regroup. Then that person can kind of start hearing what comes next. So we start helping them make decisions about what they want to do next. And sometimes that's hard because I've been told before, Miss Andrea, I don't know how to make decisions. Nobody has ever asked me. I went from an abusive father to an abusive husband and not one time has anybody allowed me to dream. So to empower them, we start dreaming again. If you recall in the program, that's one of the first things we start doing. What are you dreaming about? What would you like to do? How would you like to see your life? Because once you can get that person dreaming again, that gives them hope. And that's what we're trying to do. Give them hope for a brighter future. And one of the main things I teach, and I teach my coaches and the advocates that work with me, is that they're advocates for the person and not dictators for the person. So our job is to, and tell people that my job is to speak up for the voiceless, not be their voice. I often hear be the voice for the voiceless. I want to speak up for them and teach them to find their own voice. And so that's how I help them to regain control of their lives. So good. So good. Now, what role does self-care
0: play in the healing process and how do you incorporate it into your coaching?
1: And... (laughs) Self care, we all need it. We've talked about it till we blew in the face. So, first, I do with my coaches is teach my coaches how to have self care. And we have some fun times together. We hang out together. And what happens is when you teach your coaches and advocates that are working with individuals how to do that, they can portray that by what they're doing. So, self care is important because it keeps us grounded. When things are not going as planned. When we're tense and upset. When things don't go our way. You know. We just fall away. Get anxiety. We get upset. We may snap when that person really isn't the person we're upset about. So. But to do that you have to start learning to love yourself again. That's where teaching them to have a voice again. When you give them hope they can learn to love themselves and then we start teaching them to set boundaries those are the real pieces of self-care that's needed in the healing process set boundaries and to have a dream dreams big enough to fight for and I know you remember through the program I said that over and over and over our dreams need to be big enough for us to fight for because when that time comes when we're stressed when we're all upset We're going to be able to say, I got a dream. You know, I can make this happen. So when they learn to set boundaries, they learn how to serve themselves. And oftentimes we want to serve day and night when we're coaches. And so we can't. So we just, and it's all about teaching them what to do. Setting boundaries in, talking to them, teaching them how to set boundaries. Taking care of ourselves to show them that we're important. Teaching them how to take care of themselves so they can say that they're important. So it's that healing process. One, um, I remember a gentleman said once, he said, what you do speak so loud, what you say I cannot hear. So if we're making sure that you can hear what I'm doing, you can see what I'm doing, then you're learning self-care through the way I take care of me.
0: Right. I'm going to do a whole episode on boundaries. So I'm going to have you back for that episode as well. Um, Because I think it's so important because if people don't have boundaries, that's what leads to domestic violence a lot of times Mm -hmm. um, or putting up with the domestic violence. So how can we encourage open conversations about domestic violence within communities, families, and churches?
1: Well, I think the conversation needs to start in families, but also the communities can play a vital role in ending domestic violence. I love having my tea parties. For over a hundred years, women have met for tea to discuss the things and the cares of the world and build strategies around change. I mean, look at the woman's suffrage movement. It started over a cup of tea. So if they can do that over a cup of tea. What can't we do? Nothing. So the key to it is to just create not only create awareness, but to have a conversation for strategy. So just bringing people together, whether it's in your church, the, every church, I believe every church should have a liaison that knows about domestic violence and how to maneuver that person into a safe space. Because if the churches are not a safe haven of hope, then they're part of the problem. And so we need to have some tea parties in our churches, our communities, and our homes, and we just need to have conversations. So true.
0: Now, what strategies do you use to help survivors overcome the fear of speaking out?
1: Well, once the healing process has started, I think journaling is important. I didn't think I would ever think that, but I see the process of it because it gets it out of your head and onto something else. Even if you take a journal and tear it up because you don't want to know, but just getting it out of your head, speaking to someone, therapy, group sessions, and just the thoughts in that journal can help decide what part of your story you want to share. So often people want to share their story. They don't know what part of it, But then they go and write a book or they start speaking and they're not sure because they haven't processed the things that they have. So they start out with journaling and and just learning to speak up. They overcome that fear of speaking out. True.
0: And so what kind of support systems are essential for survivors and how can friends and family members contribute positively?
1: So support system, one is learn what's going on in your community. Find out where your agency is. Listen to some of the things that are going on in the community. Find out exactly what domestic violence is. Find out what the crisis line number is. All these things that will help. Hopefully you will never use it. But we got holidays that come up. It gets worse. We have summertime that comes up in schools so really just understanding that is out there and then the main thing is if someone comes to you and say i'm being abused i'm being hurt believe them start every conversation with believing and just love without judgment
0: yes and i'm gonna um at the end we're gonna give that number i'm looking it up again um the hotline um domestic violence hotline. So I want to provide that before we go today. So what um resources are available for survivors who need legal assistance? I know it's going to be different in every state, but if you right. can just give an idea what's available in your state and um let our audience know what state you're in.
1: So I'm in North Carolina and our laws are are there's not a whole lot at that point, but they can get protective orders they can use um, the local agencies that may have attorneys that they work with. That's why it's important to know what's going on in your community. So you know where to go, know that crisis line number. So not just the national one, but also your local one. So if there's, cause there's usually a court advocate there that can at least walk you through um, a protective order There's a court advocate that can tell you how to maneuver the court system. So the main thing is to do is know who your local shelter DV agency is and how to get in touch with them.
0: Right. So I do want to give the national hotline, which is one 800 799 seven two three three because we're going to have viewers watching from all across the nation so that is a number that everyone can call but as miss andrea said make sure you find out if you need help find out a local number in your state and if you can't you can always call that national hotline and they will be able to refer you to um, someone local in your area so now what message of hope would you like to convey to those who are currently experiencing domestic violence
1: so, first, I want to add to the hotline thing if that's okay because they now have you can text start to eight eight seven eight eight because so many people just text in now, so if you don't you're not able to verbally call just text start s t a r t to eight eight seven eight eight and so I wanted to share that also, but to convey awesome. hope. And that's just it. To understand that where you are, no matter what you've been through, there is somebody that has been through it and they're ready to help you. No matter what it is, no matter how bad you feel about it, no matter whether you think, oh my goodness, I can't believe I allowed that to happen when you really didn't because you were coerced, a victim manipulate it, however you want to do it, but just know that there's somebody out there willing to help you.
0: That's so true. Now, earlier I, we talked about your, um, help program. So, um, My question was going to be, do you offer anything for those who feel called to step into being a domestic violence advocate? But we know you have a program. So can you um, tell people how they can reach you for more information or just a conversation if they feel called to that area and then you can discuss it with them?
1: Yes. So first of all, I can be found on also, well, the social media that I'm on at Harmony Coach Andrea. Just put at Harmony Coach Andre, and you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on um, Instagram, and I'm also on Clubhouse. I'm also Andre Merriman on LinkedIn. But to find out more about the help program, you can go to jymhelpprogram.com. That's jymhelpprogram.com. There's also a place on there to leave me a message, also.
0: Awesome. So is there anything else you would like to share with our audience that I missed in the way of a question that you think will be important for them to hear today?
1: Just think about the people that you know and yourself and figure out how you can help. Know the know the crisis numbers. Be prepared to listen. And just list, have a listening ear, and if you believe that somebody needs to listen to you, reach out, because as I said before, there's somebody willing to listen. You're not alone. Yes,
0: right. And one thing that I love to make sure that I I let people know that just when if you're seeking help for a domestic violence situation, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of courage. Have the courage to step out, speak up save your life or save the life of someone else. So it's very important to understand that you have a right to speak up and speak out when it comes to domestic violence. Well, um, Andrea Merriman, I wanna thank you so much for joining us today on this very important topic. And again, um, like I said, we're gonna do a whole episode on Um, boundaries. And that'll be coming up probably in the next month or so. So we definitely will have you back for that because I took your class and I know that you have a lot of knowledge and um, information to share with our audience on boundaries. And so I want to thank my audience again for tuning in today. I pray that this show empowers you to walk in healing, purpose, and greatness. Again, this is your host, Cheryl Kell. And until next week, be blessed. Thank you so much.